We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where things have gone awry. Things have gone crazy. Things have gone upside down and inside out and all around, but things are good. So first, we got a little bit of geek news, and then we're going to talk about our topic, which I'm going to wait till after geek news to tell you what our topic is, which is not normal, because normally I tell you what our topic is now, and then we go into geek news, but I'm going to leave that for a surprise. Maybe not. Well, maybe I shouldn't, because you're going to already see the the banner and everything and know what this the whole episode is about, so I'm just being weird. So we'll talk about the new number one most viewed ever show on Disney Plus history, which is Obi-Wan. That's mm-hmm. right. There will be spoilers. There will be talk. There will be all sorts of things. So if you want to listen to this show, this episode particularly, then you need to go watch at least the first two episodes. I like how you started off the episode by saying that we were going to get into geek news before you announced the topic, and then you immediately announced the topic. Well, it's and I'm okay with that. It's because they're going to see episode. They're going to hit play. Gonna and they're the going to see they the are. name. And they everything. are. It's going to so, be. They already knew coming in, right? Yeah. And on top of that, it's okay because even if they didn't see that, what I like is that you set them up and then you surprised them. I know. It was a surprise. It's no matter called what. Subverting expectations. Yes. I never let them know you're next from underneath them. <laughs> Search your feelings. You know it's true. Yes, it is. is it is very true. So, and let's yeah, we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it tight. Let's uh, jump in. Let's do it. Uh, there are a couple of Star Wars related geek news items that I found this week. First of all, uh, this is this is I think okay, it's a it's it's a pseudo spoiler, but it's one of those well, everybody expected this to happen at some point. So, it's not that big a spoiler, right? Uh, James Earl Jones is returning as the voice of Darth Vader. Yay! I mean, yay! yay. I mean, tell me where you've hidden the rebel plans, or whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then second is, uh, ha- I believe it's Hasbro that's behind this one. Yeah, it is. Uh, they are releasing an official John Favreau action figure with him in his Mandalorian oh, yes. outfit with removable helmets. You can see that it's John Favreau. For those who don't know, John Favreau plays the heavy, meaning heavy weapon, uh, Mandalorian in the show, <gasps> The Mandalorian. Uh, he's the one that fights uh, Din Djarin when yeah. uh, Din Djarin has the dark saber and he tries to take it back. He's actually one of the descendants of the original wielder of the dark saber, et yeah, cetera, et cetera. He's part of a clan Vizsla. Now, the cool thing about this is it's a black series figure. It's not yes. one of the smaller ones. No. It's one of the, the larger black series figures. Super and high honestly, quality. He deserves it. He does. He this isn't this isn't Hasbro Payne like like, oh, it's fan service. We're gonna have John Favreau. No, no, no. This is Hasbro wrapping up everyone's thank you into an action figure for John Favreau. And he now, deserves every now what 12 we, inch of Now it. what we need is a Dave Filoni action figure with the cowboy hat. Yes, but but only as a force ghost. Yes. <laughs> now, interesting fact, out of the three of us on this show, one of us also has their own action figure. <laughs> and it is my brother, the original Krebs. I have one. <laughs> you got oh, I didn't know you had an action figure made of you too. Yeah, I have a 3D printed one where they scanned me and they made me an Iron Man action figure nice. in my face. I forgot awesome. about that. Okay, awesome. so the stat now becomes one person on this show does, does not, not have an action, have an action figure. figure. But no, yeah. uh, Josh, uh, the the Krebs, 
Krebs' father over there uh, for his role in the danger element got a figure. It was a Lego minifig. That is awesome. Yeah. All right, so I will pass the Geek News baton to my brother, Matthew Matai-san. What you got? All right, got a couple of uh, short articles here. Uh, first of all, Geek Tech News. Uh, the number two person at Meta, the former Facebook, Cheryl Sandberg is stepping down this fall. She is the chief operating officer, uh, is uh, the number two in charge right behind uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, she's stepping down. No, no reason specifically given other than she said she only planned to be there for five years and it's been 14. Uh, this is very significant in a, an industry where there's not a lot of uh, female representation uh, that she was in a position of such uh, power and authority Huge. and helped influence the direction that Facebook and other uh, meta products went. So uh, thank you for your contributions, uh, Cheryl Sandberg, and good luck on future endeavors. Indeed. Yes. So uh, and then we have a bit of uh, sad news, I guess we might say, or disappointing news. Uh, many of you are familiar with uh, Salt Lake's comic book convention, yes, uh, dubbed Salt Lake Fanex, uh, founded by Dan Farr and Brian Brandenburg. Uh, unfortunately, co-founder Brian Brandenburg, um, well, he made an appearance in federal court. Uh, Tuesday. This would be about May 24th. And not the good kind. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily there by his own choice. Uh, he's going through a uh, contentious and difficult divorce right now, and apparently he got a little upset that uh, he that people at the courthouse weren't sending him the documents and finalizing the divorce as quickly as he wanted uh, once they'd reached the settlement and stuff. And so he emailed several people in Utah that uh, that they needed to do what he wanted or he was going to bomb the courthouse, which is a federal building. Uh, and then he followed it up with additional emails threatening to bomb other buildings. Uh, and, when approached uh, about it, he was like, ha ha, just joke. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, wasn't quite mm -hmm. like that. So uh, he's been brought up on uh, charges of uh, making uh, terroristic threats. Uh, and because it was across state lines, there's also that specifically transmitting threats in interstate commerce and threatening and conveying false information concerning the use of an explosive. Well, uh, emphasis there that. Emphasis there that it is false information. He wasn't ever actually intending to blow anything up. Uh, the charge is that he made a threat to do so, even though he did not have the means or intent to actually follow. Well, through. and the worst part about this is this was all conducted over email, not a phone call. That's right. Email. It's in black and white. There's mm -hmm. no denying. Like, oh no, they just misunderstood me. Nope, it's there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the convention does. They, you know, part ways with Brian or, or what. Yeah. If only he had sent those emails via Hillary Clinton server, he would have nothing to worry about. Yes. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. So I don't think this is going to have a big effect on, on Fanex. I think Fanex is still going to go on. Um, but I do worry if there might be some, 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 some fallout that, that kind of falls on that. Um, Dan Farr still been, pretty good and uh, keeping his, his nose clean in the media at least. Well, and, and unfortunately this is not the first time we've seen issues with uh, Mr. Brandenburg. 
Um, there was a, a couple of years back where yeah. he kind of spouted stuff off uh, in anger. And so it seems like this is an issue for him, um, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we've had Dan Farr on the show, we've had other people from FanX. They've all, always been more than wonderful and exemplary. So um, unfortunately, they probably will have to part ways with Brian um, so that that doesn't negatively affect them. Uh, you know, and depending on his trial and how that goes out, that, that might be solved for him anyways. But um, uh, I, again, this is just, it's sad. It's sad yeah, this it has happened. It is um, definitely sad. You know, I, I've gone through a divorce myself and they're difficult, but I have never got to the point where I've ever like just blown up at someone like this. I mean, I, I get someone like pouting off like, this is ridiculous. Why can't you just send me paperwork? But to say, I'm going to bomb you and I'm going to bomb that. I mean, it, there's so many different places he said he was going to bomb and yeah. just torch. And it was just ridiculous. It's one of those situations where if he just like popped his cork once and it was a one-off, he might have yeah. some defense. But the fact that he like wrote down in the emails on more than one occasion, yeah. several well, occasions yeah. with multiple locations, like then it just became terroristic, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and they they don't, uh, you know, base after 9-11, we just... The government doesn't uh, look kindly on that stuff. Nope. <laughs> so, all right. Anything else? That's the geek news. Uh, uh, Daniel, do you have anything? I don't. Can I throw in a bonus item? Go ahead. The trailer for the new Willow series on Disney Plus has dropped, and it is beautiful. Yes. Oh, you daikini. Hey, you can't say that word anymore. No, um, <laughs> it's, I'm a Nelwyn. No, um, uh. I turned to my wife, I showed her this this trailer, and I turned to my wife and I said, Willow looks like a better Wheel of Time series than the Wheel of Time series. <laughs> well, it might. Uh, I did read uh, the sequel, the the, novel, the book that was the sequel to Willow uh, because it was written by Chris Claremont and George Lucas, Oh, which I sounded awesome to me. And I didn't know why it was in the bargain bin for $2. And then I read the book, and I'm not sure that I think two dollars was still too high. Oof! Uh, it was it was bad. It was really really bad. So I'm excited to see this new series too. I think it's great. We've got um, oh what it, his name Willow the actor uh, Warwick, Davis. Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. Thank you. Oh, just I'm sorry. Senior moment there. Just forgot his name for a moment. Warwick Davis is back, and wasn't he a teenager? In the original Willow? Uh, yes, actually. Like, he he plays a Nelwyn that's older than he was in real life. Yeah. Um, and the woman that played Kaya, his wife, was significantly older than him. But it interestingly, on screen, still played well. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Warwick has got kind of a, a an older, mature face. And it serves him well, because even in this uh, series... He's he's quite old now, but it doesn't look like he's aged too much. Yeah, like he's actually doing pretty well, all things considered. For the record, although spelled Warwick, it is pronounced Warwick. I, Warwick. Of course, because it's British. Sorry. Of course it is. Of course it is. Remember that Yoan Griffith is how you say that guy's name from Fantastic Four? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. Yes, yes it is. I'm pretty sure is. it's... Ionia Griffith. Yes, I when I first saw his name, I thought it was I thought it was like Ion Grufford. I thought that was that was like his name or like Ion Ion Grufford. No. Well, for, from now Ian on, Griffith. I declare his name is Billy Goat Gruff. 
His his name is Bobby. That's his name from now on. His name is Bobby, and there's no arguing. I met him in person once. He was a delight. All right. He has to find four other people first. He has to find four other people. It's a fantastic four. He's got to find them. Led by John Krasinski. And then you find four people, and then they find four people. And now you have a gang fight. Yes. All right, so. No, now we go sell new skin. Now we go sell, now it's an MLM. <laughs> Guys, this episode has been so full of Utah jokes. I don't know how many people understand, but it's great. None okay. of them. Probably none right. of them. We, we actually, I am chomping at the bit to talk about tonight's topic. So, Daniel, have you a wonderful segue to get us underway? Really? A segue? Well, we can easily go to a place far, far away. In a galaxy far, no, 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 I'm just in a I'm galaxy just long, long in. ago. I, I well, no. you mentioned the topic a long time ago. Yes. Well, I also got a really cool other email that just came in, so that distracted me. Anyways, we're gonna jump in. We're gonna talk about the latest Disney Plus series, which we've been excited for. We've been waiting. We've been anticipating, with high hopes that it's good, was going to be awesome, but at the same time, fearing that it could be as flat as Solo. Um, I still like Solo. I still enjoy Solo. You are Solo in that. But <laughs> I enjoy Solo for what it tried to be, but it just didn't have what it needed to be Star Wars. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like that uh, that Ghostbuster film that had an all-female cast that just, nothing against the female cast it just didn't feel like it was ghostbusters it felt like a paranormal investigation movie that just had that name slapped onto it um thankfully obi-wan was not that from the get-go it had the oh the feel of the prequel and uh, um original series I mean, the cool thing is, is you got a really quick montage of the prequels to kind of get you caught up. So even if you've never seen the prequels, you can kind of understand what's going on. And, and I again, have to say, like, as someone who's not a fan of the prequels, I am not a fan of the prequels. Yeah. But that summation of that story arc through mm-hmm. the prequels, because the, the prequels have, have multiple storylines, right? Yeah. That summation was actually brilliantly well done and i thought it was a better movie than the trilogy wow (laughs) again folks throwing it out there spoilers if you haven't seen it pause go watch it come back and if you haven't seen the prequel trilogy that ended in 2005 you had your time i have got no tears for you (laughs) yes um the really cool and amazing thing is is you know you jump into this film and it doesn't feel like it's been that long it feels like we're still in that galaxy far far away in that same universe and it doesn't feel disjointed um like i you know i i enjoyed you know seven eight and nine seven eight and nine felt awkward to me it felt like i was being forced back into this world to enjoy this new storyline um this I didn't feel it not once. Even right. feeling uh, Obi Wan not being the Jedi that we've seen, just being a Joe Schmo that's cutting this giant. They're they're space mining meat fish, um, and he's he's not being the normal cool guy we've seen in the the previous three movies. But I really enjoyed it, and I felt like 
I'm literally on Tatooine. I like the little, um, the fact that we saw the sky jumper, uh, sky hopper. Yeah. The T-16. You know, that we, yeah. That we see Luke playing with. Just and the it, toy, not the actual ship, just yeah, the toy. The, the toy. And Obi-Wan is the one that delivered that. I'm like, that was so amazing to see that little minor thing. Um, and they used it to great effect in terms of storytelling. Oh, yeah. Because um, not only does he buy the toy and then clean it up, it was filthy and he cleaned it up beautifully. Yeah, because he got it from a Jawa. <laughs> but then, but then uh, right when we think Luke is the one finding the toy, it ends up it's Uncle Owen. And Uncle Owen, played by Joel Edgerton, yeah. um, reprising the role because he did play Uncle Owen in episode three just briefly. It was a cameo. Uh, he was also but... in two. He was also in episode two. Was he in episode two? Yeah, because when uh, when uh, Anakin went back, because he found his mom. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess that's what I get for not liking those movies. Anyway, that's okay. so that's okay. Um, and but that's doesn't okay. he show up again in episode three, just in profile when Obi Wan delivers baby? Luke? Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. That yeah. that was his cameo in part three. Oh. Um, uh, and he shows up for a huge role in the movie Bright, but that's unconnected. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh, but he's the one who comes back, returns the toy, and it, and it segues into an incredible conversation. Incredible might be a little strong, but I will say a poignant conversation between him and Obi-Wan. It furthers the story. It furthers the plot. This is another example of how... Um, and this wasn't, uh, these episodes weren't directed by Feige, mind you, but I'm just throwing him in there into the whole mix. But like Feige, Filoni, Favreau, the three Fs. Uh, and then you have um, the other directors, including Bryce Dallas Howard and the others who are in there. And this was, um, I don't want to get her name wrong, or, but I think her last name is Qua. Uh, well, uh, I, I have to look it up. But this was directed by someone who's done a few of the Mandalorian episodes also. She's a brilliant. Uh, um, Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Deborah Chow. She is, she has intention with everything she does. She wastes nothing. She's not frivolous. All of the directors of the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus, they use everything. It, this yeah. is very much like the the um, uh, the director of Incredibles. Was that Brian Bird? Um, his philosophy was use the entire buffalo. You don't you don't waste anything. So the the movies for the Incredibles. Every little detail means something. Every little detail gets used. And the same thing is happening here in the Obi-Wan series, and I love it. It's great storytelling. Let, now, let's, take, let's take a step back for one second because we're kind of just diving in chaos theory style. Well, yeah. I want to jump in real quick before we do that. The other real brilliant part about that scene is we see that confrontation, and then it slides into another scene where he could have easily given Obi-Wan up and gotten rid of him, but doesn't. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, that I think... There's this really interesting dynamic that I hope they play with more uh, between those two. But all right, let's go. Uh, to the I, next I have to correct myself. It's Brad Bird who directed Incredibles. Apologies. Go on, okay. Matthew. Matthias. So I was just going to say, let's let we, we kind of jumped in right into some of the meat and some of the details here. Uh, let's let, let's talk briefly about what Obi-Wan is. What is the premise here? So, uh, again, uh, the move this happens between. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, which came out in 2005, and A New Hope, which yep. came out in 1977. It's 10 years after the end of uh, Episode 3. Right. So, right, if assuming that Luke was around 20 or almost 20, um, then this is like right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and so what's happened is, you know, after Order 66, 
Jedi have been killed, and uh, Obi-Wan is, is hiding out on Tatooine to watch over Luke. Uh, the Organa family has got his twin sister, Leia, and so they're raising her as a princess and a future senator uh, in the uh, Imperium. And uh, But Luke gets to be a, a dust farmer, <laughs> a moisture farmer on moisture Tatooine. Farmer. Um, let's be honest, they're, they're farming dirt. Uh, it's a moisture farmer on Tatooine. They're, they're getting water out of the dirt because it used yeah. to be an ocean planet that is now a desolate desert. And, uh, and so Obi-Wan is hanging out there kind of just to watch over him and be a protector, make sure nobody comes near him and make sure that nobody knows he's Darth Vader's son. Uh, but in the meantime, he's just being a normal Tatooine vagabond. Yeah. And one interesting parallel that struck me in all of this, uh, especially later on when we see him struggle to use the force, is how this parallels Luke hiding out in the sequel trilogy and how he had kind of abandoned the force. And so I, I, I thought it was an interesting parallel between the two. Obi-Wan is consciously, he's buried his lightsaber. Mm -hmm. He's consciously refraining from using the force and just trying to go through life as a normal, um, inconspicuous person on Tatooine. Well, one thing I, I liked about that is it also shows, because, you know, we see that Luke is really weak because he cut himself off from the force. It also shows why he probably gave up the fight against Vader on the Death Star because he'd been cut off so long. Are you talking about Obi-Wan or Luke? Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Obi yeah, because gotcha. we did see Luke be, you know, when he projected himself, it, it was so much that, you know, he died. But um, it shows that when you cut yourself off from that, it takes a toll if you try to use it again. Because we do see that. He's like, he was really trying with mm -hmm. that scene with Leia, and it took a lot for him to finally connect back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did a number of subtle things along that vein too. There was, there was some subtlety in the show, including uh, there's a scene where Obi-Wan's coworker uh, ends up with half of his normal wage. And there's a moment where Obi-Wan who sees the injustice stares down the work boss who is callous and unfeeling. And I don't know about you, but I thought for a moment, I thought, I, he's going to use a Jedi mind trick and he's going to fix this. Problem. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. But then he didn't. And, and that was poignant. That was important. You know, that, that he refused to use the force even to exact justice because it was just too dangerous. And he's got to protect Luke. He's got to keep every bad vector from Vader from coming toward Luke. So he can't use the force or it'll draw Luke in. And then uh, I, I'm going to pass it over to you, matthias on, but I also want to come back to lightsaber in the sand because I'm hoping I mean, it wasn't exactly subtle, but I'm hoping you guys caught something in that moment as well. matthias on the, uh, and I just to add one more point on here. Cause I think we, this is the direction we're heading. We have the, the premise of what's going on with Obi-Wan, but the conflict mm -hmm. is the inquisitors, the inquisitorious. Is that what the group <laughs> is called? Um, but They're the inquisitors, the, yeah, the, the inquisitors are sent to hunt down Jedi. And I really want to talk about them, uh, and ask you guys some questions about them a little later on, but the inquisitors are in the hunt. And there's one in particular third sister who 
has it out for Obi-Wan. Reva. She really wants Obi-Wan. She wants to bring him before Vader because she knows that he just has this hatred uh, for his former mentor. Uh, and so that's what creates conflict and tension in all this. And so far in the first two episodes, it's the advent of the Inquisitors that have driven all of the conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That is true. So there's a couple things I like, um, especially with episode one is we finally get to see Alderaan for the first time. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, other yeah. than a, a quick flyby. Other uh, than a debris field. Yeah. We actually get to see what Alderaan looks like. I really love how young Leia just tears apart her cousin that's trying <laughs> to insult her. Um, and I like Leia's character as a younger girl. Yeah. Um, then I have to wonder what happened because uh, <laughs> she's not quite that spunky way and there's even a comment uh you know that obi-wan makes to her like you rem you remind me of someone i know and so she very much is like padme mm -hmm. um and he makes that comment um you know we get to see flea for the first time in forever since probably back to the future too uh, <laughs> show up I, 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 let's talk about casting for a minute what did you all think of the people they cast in many of these roles? I think some of them was fantastic. One, um, so there's a scene where Obi-Wan's on a planet and there's a girl that's offering him death sticks. Yep. Uh, well, Spice, right? Or, or Spice, excuse me. Um, that is the great uh, grandniece of the guy that plays Wedge Antilles. And that is Ewan McGregor's own daughter. What? Yeah. Wait, so, so then Ewan McGregor married a woman who's related to the original Wedge Antilles? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, wait that, a I was a little confused there. The character selling drugs yes. is not the actual grandniece of the Wedge Antilles character. No, no, no. It's no, the actress. It's the actual the... actor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And is Ewan McGregor's daughter. Not only that, Mark Hamill, if you pay attention, in the background as, uh, as Obi-Wan is walking, you can see Mark Hamill in the background with his beard and kind of a Han Solo-esque outfit. He actually has a cameo in Obi-Wan. which I, I think did not see that. that. Where yeah. was this? Uh, I'll have to... Was it episode one or two? Do you remember? It's, it's when he's on the, 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 the planet trying to find Leia. So, it's, it's so he's on two. Alderaan? It's not Alderaan, it's the, the other... Uh, oh, 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 it's the Daithu yeah. or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of... And they've got some great cast. They, they've brought back Bell Organa. Um, Jimmy Smith. You know, yeah, Jimmy Smith. Um, and I really like his interaction with Leia. Uh, we, we have some interesting characters uh, that we have on Tatooine. Um there's rumors we may see Qui-Gon. I don't know. Um, I know Hayden Christensen is back. Um, there are a couple things that I'm bothered with with the series, though. Yeah, I was actually, that was going to be my next question. But uh, let, let's to, finish up some of the casting stuff and let's get into that. Yeah, I yeah. Want, and then to jump back to the, the, uh, the revealing scene of the lightsaber, we see again Anakin's saber, which we know yep. goes to Luke. Yeah, um, I so love that, that they nice. kept that con that continuity. That when he buried his saber, it was it was his and Anakin's yeah. that he buried. That that is also highly symbolic about, 
you know, concerning like sort of like the the burying or the treasuring of of the of their brotherhood, yeah. but also like it, it kind of puts it like in a stasis in a way, like it, like yeah. you know, like you put it in a time capsule and you save it. It doesn't change from that state, but you also don't have it in your life anymore. Well, and the other thing I really appreciated, it was in a box. Yes. Whereas we at the end of episode nine, we see Ray wrap it in some cloth and then force push it down, and so it's like. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah, but but in terms of like um, chain of custody and where that lightsaber had ended up, the yeah. fact that it was in that box, and we later see it in a similar, but I think a different yeah. box uh, when yeah. Obi Wan gives it to Luke, and then when Ray has her Force vision, it's in that same box. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it. it they, I thought that they they did really well with the continuity there. Yeah. Well, and I also like your parallel where it's a box. It's like a coffin. He buried that relationship, that yeah, brotherhood. Yeah. So, but casting, yeah. no, I think casting was fantastic. I love the little Easter eggs they've done with casting. Yeah, I'm glad oh, they chose you and McGregor for Obi-Wan. That was a really good choice on their part. Yeah, well, but no, but like having Flea show up is like this scoundrel. Was I was so, so pleased. I was so oh, pleased to see him. Yeah. That, that was wonderful. I loved yeah. it. And for his his characters need there i mean i don't rely on flea for an oscar worthy performance no. but he makes a great scoundrel yes you know he does well and not only that um the other cool thing um oh i can't remember his name but he plays han in the fast and the furious series oh yeah him playing the other inquisitor the right? other the inquisitor second brother uh, the, the, the uh with with the helmet and everything that was fantastic um, also, um, if you listen to it with a sound system that has a subwoofer, or if you listen to it with proper headphones, um, they add a, a digital bass tone to his speaking voice yeah. mm-hmm. that gives it this rumble, you know, like he has this normal, he's like hissing over the top of it, but it has bass underneath yeah, he, and he, it he sounds plays so the fifth good. Brother, and he sounds just like the character in in rebels as well as in the um cal kestis game yeah um so but one of the characters i really really enjoyed was uh what is his name he was the fake jedi um oh oh my gosh oh my gosh yes oh no kunail um meli kumel Kumail Nanjani. Nan- uh, not, not uh, he was in the Eternals. Yes, yes he yes. was in the Eternals. I'm gonna look it up. He was fantastic. K- Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Yeah, and he's come a long way as an actor. Actually, he came. He was always sort of like the geeky comic relief, and yeah. he was like in a million things as like yeah. the stereotypical uh, Indian or Hindu, like yeah. you know, friend or whatever. And then for Eternals he worked his guts out and he yeah. became like ripped and buff, but he's still a darn funny. Like, I think he's in many ways, if I can say this, he reminds me of like an Eastern version of Taika Waititi. Oh yeah. <laughs> like those two should be in a movie together and it would be hysterical. Oh, well, buddy cop, buddy cop yeah. movie all the way. Buddy well, and this movie. is the, the really cool thing. Um, you know, he put a post out on Twitter and he's like, man, when I was a kid, my 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 cousin, you know, was his family is well off, and he had all of the Star Wars figures, and I was always super jealous of him. And he's like, but I think I win now. 
you know. So, yeah. So, so he was a great casting. I love they brought Jimmy Smith back. Yes. I think he's looking a little long in the tooth. Yes. Well, you know, it's only 10 years uh, story-wise, but it's been like 17 years since the movie, yeah. right? Yes. Jimmy, Jimmy Smith is starting to show his age, but I'll still give it to him because I just love Jimmy Smith. Because I Jimmy Smith, and he's still my favorite Los Angeles lawyer. Um, exactly. Also, and, uh, throwing this out there, because even though this doesn't have to do exactly with casting selection, it does have to do with character selection. Um, there was, in the bounty hunting group who kidnapped Leia... There was a female Faline alien. Uh, Faline is the race that Shizor belongs to from yep. uh, Shadows of the Empire. Yep. And Sh- and Shizor is like one of my favorite villains. He's right up there with Grand Admiral Thrawn. And they had one of his race as the female chasing yep. Leia. And it was great. Well, not only that, the other cool thing is when Obi-Wan was infiltrating the, uh, the facility, there was a Zabrak there. You know? Yes, and yes, he didn't was. have all the dark tattoos like Maul did, but generally we haven't really seen those rays. So this is something I've really enjoyed is they're trying to bring in more diversity by seeing all the other alien races, and not just yeah. like stereotyped yeah. as either Sith or bumbling yeah. or sidekick. Like yeah. like even even Black Chris Santon, even though he was acting as like a henchman for the Huts, yeah. he was like a standalone character. Also, he wasn't just a sidekick, right? Yeah. Um, and I love that, you know, we got to see a Zabrak uh, alien who is not just covered in black and red tattoos. Yes. Well, and the other really cool thing that I liked is the the nod back to the Clone Wars. We had, you know, the veteran. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yes. Clone War, Clone Warrior sitting there kind of begging for scraps <clears throat> with his helmet. It was so great seeing that because then we, we go and see the stormtroopers marching down the aisle um down the street and just kind of ruling everything that was my favorite cameo because i see that he's got this beard so i look at it and i go oh my word that's tim Aware morrison yep Th- that's yep. actually him that's Django fett boba fett that's him yes you know yes. And like okay that is a good attention to detail that was a good callback and and, and obi Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And and Obi Wan just felt compelled to give him money. At a, mi- a moment there, I thought, is could that be Rex? Because I thought Rex grew a beard in, in the Rex order. is bald, and he's in Rebels, and technically he wouldn't be there at this time. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure about that, but anyway, I saw that, and I just yeah. I went a little went a little crazy on that. Again, with yeah, like and, the attention... and the markings on the helmets were was wrong for Rex. Yeah, and yeah. Rex, I guarantee, would have recognized Obi Wan. And and you know what like the the um the, again the attention to detail and absolute zero frivolity uh you know they did they paid a lot of fan service without cheapening the story yes and I thought that was huge that that is quite a talent uh, this mm-hmm. again this mm-hmm. goes back to Filoni and Favreau and Chow and um like that whole team there, there's a team of directors but they talk to each other and they write the stories together and they tell a story deliberately and not just frivolously. And I love that. I love that about these shows. So I've got two questions uh, about casting choices for you. Okay. The first question is the girl they picked for Leia Organa. Moses oh. Ingram, I think is her no. name? No, 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 oh, oh, no. Oh, no, no, girl. no, for Leia. I was thinking, yeah, I was already thinking. Vivian, uh, Lara Blair, Lyra Blair. I think it was perfect. 
What, what do you she think She looked of her? a little young to me. Okay, okay. Her performance was excellent. I thought that she did a great job embodying the persona of Leia. There were a few moments where her being a child actor shone through, but I think the only real beef I had with that whole thing is that she's supposed to be 10 years old and she looks eight at best. The actress like, actually is 10 years old. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> June 4th of... I mean, Well, granted, this may have been filmed last year no it, it yeah it, it no. did film last year yeah so she would have been nine uh her birthday is june 4th 2012 so she'll be 10 here shortly um so, yeah so she's not quite 10 she filmed it when quite. she was so nine. but she honestly I, I could see her as a 10 year old she's just maybe looks a little young for her age the, the the hard part is we didn't really get to see a close-up view of luke um yeah but from a distance he came off as like 11 or 12 almost yeah, yeah. I will say, I will say, uh, when she was running from the bounty hunters and she had to slide under that that limb, mm-hmm. she physically had to pull that off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I have to say, it looked natural and it looked skilled. Like she did a great job. Yeah. So I, I got to disagree with you a little bit on the moments of a child actress. Um, I actually liked her because she didn't come off to me as a child actress. She wasn't being precocious. She wasn't pretending her lines. She actually was smooth and into the character like an accomplished or experienced actor or actress uh, would be, at least in my opinion. The one thing I didn't like about her, I think it was the writing. The character Mm. made her too strong-willed too sassy and you can and and there's room here for growth so i'm i'm not being critical here uh i i think that this little girl there is a path if you write the story right how this uh very stubborn uh strong-willed girl turns into uh princess leia ambassador for you know the the government later on but that was one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way i i didn't like that she was just kind of mean and disobedient all mm-hmm. the time i i think that showed quite a bit um because the leia we see as a senator she faces darth vader head to head with no not even a bead of sweat rolling down her face and she's willing to confront him and tarkin mm-hmm. i think this sets that up because she everyone in the fa- the Organa family knows she's adopted and they've probably ragged on her her whole life. And so that's why she, she, you know, we see her sneaking off because that's the only time she can have some peace and solitude from all these other family members that are just like, I mean, we see that, that her cousin is just mean and rude. And then she just gives them all what for. So I think this is the groundwork that builds up to that Leia we see that can look at Tarkin and can look at Darth Vader and deliver the lines that she has. I'm an Imperial Senate and blah, 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 um, without sweating. I mean, we see people that are on several of these Star Destroyers with Vader that are just sweating bullets not to screw up around him. And that was another parallel I liked, and you brought this up earlier as well. Seeing her stand up to and verbally eviscerate her cousin who was larger has more social standing she wasn't intimidated at all and that's exactly a parallel of her facing off with the grand moths or with uh, lord vader himself i loved that and and i also think it also kind of pays a little homage to to padme i mean padme was definitely very much like that um so it kind of shows that you know maybe a little bit of padme 
even though she wasn't there, still was there. Yeah. And to your points uh, earlier, when she did that to her cousin, she did so in a way where emotion did not override her logic. Yes. And she did so clearly, concisely, and with facts, yeah. as opposed to just being like, well, you're a duty face. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like she... Well, and that's the thing that I loved. It wasn't like, yeah. well, you're an idiot or you're a poopy face. It was she delivered it perfectly with facts to the point that he couldn't dispute it. The ability right, to dissect right. uh, a person for their strengths and their flaws is yeah. what serves her as a senator la later and as a spy. Yeah. And and my second casting uh, was Moses Ingram as Reva, third sister inquisitor. What now? There's been some bad. There's been posts. some kerfuffle. Yeah. There's been some 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 criticism online uh, about her casting. Uh, so what? I, per, I'll give my opinion first. I love her. I think that I, I find her very credible as this really headstrong inquisitor that is driven almost psychopathically. Uh, she she really goes across the line, and she's a really dangerous uh, person to, to deal with. I would not want to cross her path. I don't think that I could stand up like Owen Lars did uh, with her there. That was terrifying. Oh, that was terrible. That was awful. Um, and But she sold it. And she doesn't have makeup. She doesn't have prosthetics. It is just her face, her expressions, her body language. Do you know what they call that? They call that acting. Yeah. yeah. And I bought that character. So I, I love her casting in this. Uh, yeah, there's been some news around some uh, insensitive tweets about her casting in this position and everything. And to be honest with you, I have paid almost no attention to any of it. Yeah. And the, re the primary reason for me is I agree with you. I thought she did a great job in that role. She, she, you have the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, you have the second brother and who who is you know cast uh via a, an asian actor and then you have reva who is a, a black female playing this role and i don't see what the problem is i really don't i don't know why people are i don't know why some people are up in arms i highly doubt I, and it maybe it bears some research but i highly highly doubt that the majority of star wars fans out there don't agree like have problems with this i i i i highly doubt they have problems with this casting to so your, to your so point she the, did a great job this is kind of probably the problem um one the one complaint i have is okay you know lucasfilm and disney has been like throwing out posts like crazy regarding sure. th this backlash the question is where was that for uh kelly tran and where was that for john Boyo, uh, I can't Boyega. Even say Boyega. Um, when they were dealing with this with the the other Star Wars films, why weren't they backing them up and setting that precedent? That's the one thing that's kind of weird for me. But yeah. hey, they're doing it, so that's great. Now, third sister in Rebels is yellow skinned. She wears this weird kind of pointyish hat. Um, so I, I I get where some people are trying to be going because rebels is canon well so hang on a second case, though that's not third sister that's seventh sister is that seventh sister because i yeah, was I went, wondering i went too. looking 
Yeah, I went looking when because I was so impressed with her performance. I wanted to know what the backstory of the character was because I haven't seen Rebels. And I yeah. went looking, and this is the first appearance that I could find of Third Sister. There were other Sister Inquisitors in the um, in the Rebels series, but Third Sister never showed up. Okay, so if that's not the same one, okay. Um, and and that's why I've been really curious as to why, like, you want to know why? What? Why is this an issue? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I've been saying it wrong. I think it's actually fifth brother that's in the show. I'm going to verify that. Yeah, really it quick. is fifth brother. It's and and when you look at the cartoon version versus the live action, it's actually pretty faithful, all things considered. Yes. Okay. And, well, and... then actually, then not, yeah, I'm wrong, and it's who cares now? I mean, yeah. I, I I thought that was her. If that's the case. Who, no, there, I think, there's no. I think she's an no original complaint. sister, and, there, and there's no yeah. reason to complain. Yeah. The now, only complaint be... I have, <laughs> and this is a big one, because this secret is like utmost, the most important secret in the entire universe, so much that when Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers it, it's like this panic moment. It's the fact that she knows that Anakin Skywalker is Vader. That is the one and only thing of this entire series that bugs me right now. It's because that was such a, and I get it. They need that to do that reveal so that Obi-Wan has this moment. Well, I know that she knows that Vader has a connection to, well, no, no. No, yeah. she specifically says Anakin Skywalker is alive. Oh, that's right. She does. Yes. And they, they say he is dead. No one knows other than the emperor and some, and, and Tarkin from my knowledge and maybe a couple others that Anakin is Vader, you know, even in the new Thrawn books, you know, because they do this parallel where Thrawn in the clone wars actually did some stuff with Anakin. Yeah. And then when it's discovered that he, cause he look, he watches his fighting style and he's like, you are, you know, he recognizes he's Anakin Skywalker and reveals that it is this huge issue. So the fact that this inquisitor knows kind of bugs me because that was a huge secret in the star Wars franchise. So, so let me challenge this idea really quick because, okay. So it, do you think that this was a mistake in the writing or have they tipped a hand early that in later episodes will be fleshed out where we discover that third sister is closer to the emperor or, you know, was closer to the emperor or whatever the case may be. The inquisitors are, are Vader's hand. They're not, they have no connection to the emperor. So then will this imply that she has a closeness to Vader that no one else does? But even Vader denies that he is Anakin. I mean, that's, that's something that he, he, Anakin Skywalker died. I mean, we see that in Rebels when uh, Ahsoka realizes that he is Vader. Maybe she confronts Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka isn't around there. at that point, so. Well, yeah, but no, I'm talking about like like previous, like in other words, backstory, like like what what I'm leaving room for, like we've talked about this before, where people will complain, like uh, I was watching episode two and there was a yeah. plot hole, and and it's like no no no, plot holes are just story that you haven't heard the rest of yet, right? Yeah. Like, and so I'm I'm letting there be room for like explanation, but you bring up a good yeah. point, and I'm curious if this was a mistake. Or if this was meant to be a lead that is well, going it to might thread be. through future We don't episodes. know. Yeah, we don't know we yet. We don't know yet. I, but, I think it's a valid complaint, but, I, but I, I, what I also hear you implying is we're going to watch how this plays out. Yeah. 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 No, I am. Um, it, it's the one weird thing that it's like, okay, wait a minute. Why? Because he's always, you know, even in Rebels, this is the other weird thing is – 
timeline wise, this is happening before rebels. And yet, you know, they know Anakin is Vader. The grand inquisitor is dead yet. He shows up in rebels. Um, or is he a different grand inquisitor? Is he a I don't different know. one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little interested. This is this is a good segue then, because I had some questions about lore, and I wanted to rely on your guys's uh, great knowledge of Star Wars to help explain this to me. Uh, so, what you just said, uh, Daniel's, the first thing that, that that concerned me is that I haven't watched all of Star Wars Rebels, but I understood that the Grand Inquisitor uh, had been killed and his spirit tied to a Jedi Temple by Darth Vader. So then this person shows up here, he's the same race. Now, I, I can understand that if someone gets killed, they'll be replaced, we could do that. But this is the same race, has the same markings, he looks just like the Grand Inquisitor. And so, is it a difference in timeline? Has, he just, has that event just not happened yet? Or Star Wars, the multiverse. Yeah, well... I thought Rebels had happened prior to no, this. No, Rebels is set a few years after the Obi-Wan series. Mm. Yeah. So, and the Grand Inquisitor is a main character in the first season um, I, that Kanan fights. So, maybe he's not dead. I don't know. I, I maybe, will say... Maybe they clone him. We don't know. I, I will say that I I do get... like like I was a little surprised that episode two rolls around and third sister shows her true colors takes you know her ambition takes over and she kills the grand inquisitor um or at least we think he's dead at this point right yes, because yeah. i mean that, that was a you know cauterization of internal organs and you die but anyway um but also like i i get annoyed when you take a big bad and you just wipe them out yeah. right away or like you know this is a series it, this happens in a lot of like um older comic book movies where like at the end of every movie they don't just defeat the villain they kill the villain or the villain dies or there's something that happens and the villain is wiped out whatever like it's such a waste it's such a waste uh and here we have the grand inquisitor i either he's not dead or he's not the grand inquisitor that we know in rebels or you know whatever the case may be but i'm i thought that it would wait at least till episode three or four before her sudden and inevitable betrayal yeah yeah, I, 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 my theory is that the Grand Inquisitor is is not dead, especially if he needs to show up uh, later on in, in Rebels. Well, yeah, I mean, Rebels is the start of Rebels is five years prior to episode uh, four, A New Hope. Mm -hmm. um, so that means there's about a three year gap between Obi-Wan and that because Luke is like 18 or 19. So I mean, it's either a three or four year gap based on what actual age luke is um so that is a concern now you know could reva have been there before anakin went into the suit so that's how she, she knows maybe but and hopefully they explain that i hope so but the grand inquisitor is an issue in my mind that they're going to have to explain because he does show up in rebels which is canon but I had, you know, based on what we've said earlier, I have optimism that they're going to handle this properly by the end of the series. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that there's just going to be like, wow, there's so many plot holes here. What What's going on? Yeah. I, I think they're going to 
connect those things. So my other question about lore also has to do with the Inquisitors. And it's more meta, the meta story of what's going on here. Now, they established in the prequels that the Sith, there's always only ever two of them. Yes. Right? And despite that fact, we have a uh, Count Dooku. We have um, a Darth... Um, oh, the person who ordered the clones... Well, Darth Sidious, Sidious, but it was actually Sidious. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it, was which like, was actually Palpatine, and yes. Yeah. Okay, because there was yeah, there were all these other people that were were showing up that were that were, were Sith, and you're like, is there more? Yeah, you, you had Maul, and then all of a sudden you've got uh, Dooku, um, and it's just like, okay, if there's only two of them at a time this is not quite fitting so well but anyway the whole point of the the, the, the the question that i'm going for here is do you think that the story writers invented the inquisitors so that they could have dark side force users who aren't officially sith to um, get around that yeah i mean that, they already did that even before these before this because we had the emperor's hand yeah, you know, in, in the in the later in the books, which we all know, one of the emperor's hand was Mara Jade. Mm -hmm. um, they are assassins that are specifically, you know, their whole job was to go out and assassinate people that the emperor no longer liked, um, and they were force users. Uh, the inquisitors are no different; they're just force sensitive dark side agents. They're not officially a Sith lord or a Sith. They are a dark side agent um that just happened to use the force um and we've seen this uh throughout a lot of lore where you know technically darth maul was not a um a sith lord no wait he was excuse me uh he's called darth yeah darth he was is the title so you're right prior he wasn't it wasn't in so here's where things get hairy so in Phantom Menace, Sidious is technically not the master. Um, he was given Darth Maul as a gift from the 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 sisters, the the the, the night sisters, sisters. Um, and he raised him. He was raised to be this fighting machine. Um, it wasn't until shortly after um, Phantom Menace that he actually kills. Um, Pelagus. So he's not technically a a Sith Lord at that time. Um, even though he, he's given the title Darth Maul, um, he wasn't official. He was still his apprentice, but wasn't officially apprentice because he wasn't a master. He was still the apprentice. So there is kind of that overlapping stuff, you know, kind of like when we saw Forced Unleashed when Vader had a secret apprentice. Um, so Which there is, is great some, story. Of, yeah, there is well, some of that overlapping stuff. Um, and on top of that, on top of that, like even if there is this established concept of, two, you know, there are only ever two, and when you think about like how Sith rise through the ranks, it's usually by killing the one above them, and yes. so on, right? And so there's sort of like a natural attrition that occurs. But the point is, these are the Sith, and they're given to deception and they're given to yeah. power uh, hungering and like there uh, there's no reason like the sith would never have that drive and they'd be like whoa 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 
why are there three of us here right now? This doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. Right? Like, th- there's definitely – it doesn't shock me that the rule of two is not a galactic rule. But I think the rule of two applies to master and apprentice yes. with the understanding that matriculation usually requires murder. Yes. I, I just have always thought the rule of two was a melodramatic and dumb story idea. Story idea. There, there was no reason why the Sith had to be limited to that when the Jedi could have any number. Well, well see, the rule of two came into play with Darth Bane, and it was, it was brilliant when it was put into play. And the reason for that is because there was, you know, uh, I would read the Darth Bane books because it really clearly explains this. Um, and in the, that series, because of the constant fighting between the Jedi and the Sith, it, the Sith themselves had been watered down. There was no amassing power. There was no strength. They just kept, oh, hey, you're Force-sensitive. You are you you hate the Jedi? Come join us type thing. Um, there was no power. There was nothing behind it. And Bane pretty much saw that the Sith were just as weak as the Jedi. And he sets up the, you know, these events he finds Rev- Darth Revan's holocron and Revan really is the one that established hey there needs to be a rule of two a master and an apprentice one to crave the power one to hold it but that really what didn't go into play until Bane found that and he's like I agree with that because we're so watered down we're weak and we're losing we're in a stalemate the only way the Sith can win is if we disappear become secret, amass our power, become more powerful than the Jedi, and then take over. So ultimately what Sidious does is completes Bane's mission that he sets forth. He wipes out all the Sith with this uh, device called a thought bomb, wipes out the Jedi army, the Sith. And so he's the only one left and he finds an apprentice and then it, it trickles down. They start amassing wealth, armies, assassins, and everything like that. But doesn't that lore undermine the creation of the Inquisitors? Because it's the same thing. You've got these people that are supposedly just as strong as a Jedi in the Force, um, but mm-hmm. they you, you you're you're increasing dark side Force users, which was the original problem that you're saying Bane was trying to to call that down. No, no, it, it they're just they're agents, they're assassins, they're they're not. A master they don't have the powers and the abilities because you don't see them using force lightning or force push they're just able to wield a lightsaber oh they they use force push and they use okay. force senses and the yeah I mean, we're doing we, pretty good yeah i mean we see some of that but they only have minor mastery so okay they're 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 not a threat because the, the you know vader or palpatine at any moment could overwhelm and destroy them i mean we see that in clone wars where you know uh savage and maul try to go after sidious and he just wipes the floor with them they're they're nowhere near uh a threat to those two in my opinion okay yeah and also on top of that the inquisitors i think set themselves apart because there's is a zealous ideology there's is like a religious mission uh, and because they have this sort of like religious ideology, theirs is not necessarily 
uh, seeking more power. Theirs is seeking the destruction of the Jedi. And so like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, all that stuff. And, And so there's like, there's a unification that occurs there. So they're not fighting each other despite what we see in the third sister her ambition overrides her better judgment well her her ambition is her judgment right but which i think makes sense for that character but um but theirs is is a more unified mission which is why they they even like hold on to the monikers of brother and sister um theirs is sort of like a dark perverse take on religious unification so i I think i think that sets them apart from the i just thought of something really amazing and i hope they they play with this but you're right they're they are very zealot they believe in the mission that the emperor and vader have set forth to wipe out the Jedi because they are the bane of the galaxy's existence. And if any Jedi exists, then peace cannot be achieved. But as you were talking about that, ambition is a key component for an apprentice. Mm -hmm. An apprentice has to crave that power. I wonder if somehow they're going to tie that in, that she is secretly vader's yeah new apprentice that's what I, and that's, that's what why I she wondering. knows he's anakin yeah mm. see that's what i was leaning toward earlier too if they I, could pull that and twist that around that would be amazing because that's the only re- but even then even then it's still like why why would he say that he's anakin now that he's vader but that that could be maybe explain that but yes they are very zealot it's no different than the Sith troopers we see in episode nine, you know, they're complete zealots. They believe they drank the Kool-Aid and everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and they go through, they go through a reprogramming. So it's, it's not yeah, fun. I, it's I, a very painful thing too. I, I think the thing here is that like, whenever we talk about the force, we always talk about balance and the idea that there are only ever two Sith and a whole, co- you know, council of Jedi and the Jedi are wiping the Sith out. All of that is just as counter to balance as the Sith wiping the Jedi out. But what that means is go, you know, kind of to to steal a Jurassic Park line here and modify it slightly. The force finds a way. Right. So like (laughs) when when the Jedi have too much power or presence, then the Sith must rise because there must be balance. There must be opposition in all things. And not to toot my own bantha horn here. But uh, when I was doing the Star Wars D20 RPG, um, my whole story arc revolved around this concept of these young Jedi that were uh, unbeknownst to them, they were linked to each other via visions they had each had that were sort of unified. And every one of those visions was warning them about a rising Sith threat where there was some dark side master out there who was not a conventionally trained Sith Lord, uh, but who who was mastering the dark side and was bringing together other force users who had his same predilections, his same lean. And he was amassing a small army because just like Darth Bane, and this is before I knew any of the Darth Bane story, by the way. So this was just my own idea, but um, he knew that together they had more power than just being a pair or a single. And they were secretly forming this alliance. And these young Jedi, the players, were the ones that the force was telling to like watch out for this threat and fight this threat. So um, I think the idea that the Sith don't always, or maybe even hardly ever obey the rule of two. I think that actually makes the Sith even more dangerous because the Jedi believe in a false truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, that doesn't mean there aren't other dark side users. 
I yeah, mean, we right. saw during the Clone Wars, which would have been during, you know, the the rule of two, there were the Night Sisters. They still had access to the to the dark side. There were other Sith lords that you know were roaming around, you know, that were maybe that thought they were whatever, and they showed up later on. Um, the difference is, is so Bane's created the order of the Sith Lords. So that's just one group that followed this ideology. There were other ideologies out there, just like there are other ideologies with the force and uh, light side users. Yep. And, and just like that, Darth Bane turns the Sith into an MLM. Yeah. <laughs> Except for uh, not the greatest one. Uh. <laughs> it, it's it's so it sounds like uh, we all really enjoyed the series a lot. There's a lot of really good things in there. Easter eggs, the characters, so the, the effects. I mean, for me, I looked at this. I'm like, this really feels like a movie. Yeah. But we've got several. But it's broken up into several episodes. Was there anything about this that we didn't like? Well, I mean, I've already said what I didn't like, which was the fact that they killed off the Grand Inquisitor, as far as we could tell so far, and she knows that his name, Darth Vader's name is Anakin. I mean, I know that it had to propel Obi-Wan to, to do what he did at the end of the second episode. It also let him know that he's still alive, um, but I know that was a really tight-lipped secret, so that's kind of bugging me. And the fact that the Grand Inquisitor was killed, but he's supposed to show up in a couple of years in Rebels. So those are the things that are really kind of like ugh, bugging me. But I'm waiting to see what they do with those things. Otherwise, I think this was a great script. I think they did a good job making it feel like, you know, it's our old, the Star Wars we grew up with and fell in love with. It's dirty, it's gritty, it's not clean and simple. Um, and, oh man, I, I can't tell you how much I love seeing those sparkly white stormtroopers <laughs> that don't look like they have a duck bill marching down the street in, in, in order. It yeah. was just, yeah. Matt, uh, Matthias-san, was there anything that you didn't like about it? Um, there was a little bit of the, the story stuff. But overall, I really kind of liked the writing, and I could, they needed to get off the ground. So I'm going to cut kind of cut some slack for getting off the ground. But from here on out, I want to see just this really great story writing that we've come to expect uh, from some of the other Star Wars series. There, uh, special effects were great. Yeah, um, Ewan McGregor, top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really hard to find something that I didn't like about this. Um, I mean, that Dayu planet, uh, it seemed a little contrived. We don't allow messages in or out because people like their privacy, you know, and yet even still on this entire planet. Now, remember, this is on a planet wide scale, just like Coruscant, but he happens to land within a few miles of where she was being held on an entire planet. Uh, okay. Um, and. I don't know. There was, I, I, some of the timing of things, like when Riva is running across the rooftops, it sure looks like she's a lot closer 
she takes a long time running to get there. It gives Obi-Wan plenty of time to get away uh, it, there on that planet. I, I thought that she, it, from, the, from the look of things, she, I thought she was a lot closer, especially force running as fast as she did. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, yes, she could have been close, but that didn't mean that there was enough space for her to jump back and forth. So she had to go a little bit longer route to get there. Um, for me, the, the things that I didn't like were nitpicky. Uh, and I have to start off with, uh, with something that I actually did like and forgot to mention the very opening of the first episode where the younglings are training in like Terrace Kasi style, uh, flows and then order 66 engages and their Jedi master defends them and gets them, you know, pretty far. Yeah. Uh, and watching the troopers use tactics that they were pre-programmed with to overwhelm and outnumber the Jedi. Um, that was a harrowing and interesting scene to see because we didn't get to see, we, we saw a lot of the consequence of order 66, but we didn't get to see how it was done. You know, like how many of those troopers have the higher ground? No, uh, it was it was just like, how did how do clones like like lame clones ever take out that many Jedi? But this I think this episode uh, did a better job of showing that off. Right. You, you need to see season seven of Clone Wars and you need to see uh, the first episode of Bad Batch. I, I will do that. I will do that. that. But that, but I do I, like both this of those show that. that really well. And I think that this scene did some justice to that as well. It did too. Um, it did. But leading into things that I didn't like, uh, again, this is probably something that maybe we'll get more information on later. But the kids, the younglings, were like, what do we do now when their master falls? They're like, we run. And so then they run. Um, I'm hoping that that's a Chekhov's gun moment that pays off later. Uh, Another thing, again, I'm being super nitpicky here. But uh, the creature that Obi-Wan is mining um, meat from in like this camp... Uh, it's it's a creature that I don't really recognize. It's not a crate dragon. It's like a space stingray that crashed on the planet. I know. And there's only like so much time that meat like that can be good. And they don't show. I I explained to my family. I'm like, well, maybe they have twenty. You know, maybe they have like um, all day shifts. You know, you have a shift here, it gets replaced mm-hmm. by another shift, and they just carve this thing all the time. Um, but they don't show that very well. And so there's some, there's some questions as to how does this, how does this work? But that again, that's nitpicky. And then, uh, two more things. One is when Leia is tied up and put on the chair, her ropes do not go around the chair. She's not tied to the chair. She's just bound. And I'm like, but her feet are free. So she could just, I don't know. She could just like get up, right? Like she's not stuck to the chair, but then she acts as though she's stuck to the chair. Well, I think that one wasn't again it's nitpicky i mean she's locked in a room and yeah she's a 10 year old she probably can't slice a door open um no but she has lola right and lola tries to cut her free yada yada yeah uh, and apparently every droid has a little a little dremel blade but anyway um and then the last thing i'll say is i was trying like crazy when they were on Dayu. i was trying like crazy to translate all the orabesh that i could yeah. because <laughs> i don't have orabesh memorized but i was like grabbing letters as I was seeing signs. And there was one restaurant that the sign read noodle, like singular. Nice. And I wish it had said noodles, plural. It was just noodle. And I'm like, just, just one. Okay. Or, or maybe <laughs> the guy's name is noodle. Maybe know. his name is noodle. Um, um, however, maybe, maybe it the is, sign has it more is stuff. cool. Hasbro has announced that you can get your own Lola soon. 
Oh, that's very cool. Yes. And I will also point out that when uh, uh, Riva was on the rooftops and there's an Orabesh sign and neon behind her, maybe it's a much larger sign, but there's only two characters behind her and they say ER. Nice. So like it could be an emergency room building. I'm not like, like there she is on top of a hospital. That's kind yeah. of, it's kind of its own like uh, uh, foreboding thing. But anyway, those... Um, that part I actually liked, but the other items, those were my nitpicks. And to be honest, they really are like, I had to dig for those nitpicks. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. And, and I did like the Jawa. I really like the I, interaction Tika. with the Jawa. Yeah. Especially he's like, if you're going to steal my stuff, at least clean it up when you steal sell it, it back and resell it back to me. Could you at least yeah. clean it? Cleaning yeah. costs extra. Yeah, yeah. It was perfect. Yes. Um, however, all right, folks. If you haven't already seen it and you've listened to our show, go watch it. Um, if you have seen it, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you, you thought. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching this. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan has always been fantastic. Uh, I'm excited to see where they go with this series. I know a lot of people have been ho hoping for this. Not only that, we're going to get a lot more. Now, uh, once this wraps up, which will be by the end of June, uh, by the end of this summer, we're going to get the Andor series. Mm. By October, we're going to have season three of The Mandalorian. Next year, we're going to get uh, Ahsoka and the Occultis, which oh, the Occultis, yeah. uh, I'm excited uh, uh, Is for. it the Occultis or is it the Acolytes? Excuse me, the Acolytes. There we go. Um, uh, I'm excited for that because that is set like 200 years before uh, Phantom Menace. So it's going to be in the High Republic era, something that they haven't really done before. So we're going to see a younger Yoda. We're going to see some awesome Jedi stuff. I Can Yoda excited. be a puppet again, please? Uh, we'll see. It worked for Grogu. It did. It did. We'll see. Um, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming. Um, I think we've got the right people in charge, and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll really see some cool stuff. So uh, let us know what you think. Now, with that said, we're out of here. And don't forget to take the high ground. Hey, Daniel. What? What did Obi-Wan say to the cowboy? Moo? May the horse be with you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. And I, I, I don't know where to go with that. And whether you're a fan of the prequels, the original trilogy, the new trilogy, or absolutely god-awful puns, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Don't suck. Ouch. Why do I feel that was directed at me? Uh. <laughs> remember, the force will be with you. Always.